this week has been full of news of hurricanes and earthquakes. We have been presented with the terrible suffering of mankind in the wake of the devastating power of these catastrophic events. In this week's Bible in the News, we ask, why does God allow such things to happen? In this last week, the world has witnessed the second strongest Atlantic hurricane in recorded history. Hurricane Irma, a Category 5 hurricane, had recorded winds of up to 185 miles per hour or 295 kilometres an hour. The hurricane tore across islands of the Caribbean and up into Florida, leaving the islands of Barbuda and St. Martin, being described as having been 95% destroyed by political leaders. In unprecedented events, closely following Irma is Hurricane Jose. Jose is also affecting the same part of the world. And at the time of writing this report, it has been reported to be a Category 4 storm with gusts of wind of around 175 or 280 uh, kilometres per hour. And it's thought it may even reach a Category 5 shortly. Another hurricane in that part of the world made landfall in Mexico called Hurricane Katia. Although this was only a Category 2, it caused mudslides which killed two people. Mexico has also been affected by other natural disasters in this last week, suffering an earthquake which measured 8.1 on the Richter scale. 90 people have been confirmed dead in the quake that struck off of Mexico's southern coast. The earthquake was reported to be the most powerful to hit Mexico in a century. Hundreds of thousands of people have lost their homes and millions are without power and water in the aftermath of these devastating events. And it is hard not to be sympathetic to the terrible struggle thousands of people now face to try and recover and rebuild their livelihoods. In times like this, it is often asked, why does God allow such things to happen? If there is an all-loving God, why is it these terrible things take place? To answer this question from a biblical perspective, it is helpful to briefly establish a few key principles. The Bible teaches that all men deserve to die because they are mortal and suffering is a part of this mortal existence which we as men bear. This condition of things was brought into play by Adam who disobeyed God's law in the Garden of Eden as testified in Genesis and in the other parts of the Bible which back this account up. Romans is such an example as this where we read quote Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. End quote. Romans 5.12 The consequence of Adam's sin, the one man, was that of the spreading of mortality into the human race. This principle of mortality passed down from Adam to the next generation and so on up until today. This was the righteous judgment of God who had clearly told man that if he disobeyed God, he would surely die in Genesis 2.17. We know from other parts of scripture that this death is an unconsciousness. Unlike the churches who teach of an immortal soul and life after death, the Bible is clear 
in that very day of death, we read in Psalm 146, verses 3 to 4, our, quote, thoughts perish, end quote. Death means death, a cessation of existence. Therefore, as a species, we are all unfortunate to inherit the mortal nature with all of its sufferings which we are born into. In Ecclesiastes, we read of the sad predicament of man, quote, For that which befalleth the sons of men, befalleth beasts, every one thing befalleth them, as the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath, so that a man hath no preeminence above a beast, for all is vanity, end quote, Ecclesiastes 3.19. We should not therefore think of God as some sort of benevolent grandfather figure, who is there to serve our every whim, to make us happy. We, as humans, are the ones who have been in the wrong. And because of our relationship with sin and death, we have no right to demand anything of God. Instead of asking why God is not serving us, we would be better to diligently inquire what we might be able to do to serve him. The Bible tells us that God created all things that are in heaven and earth, and he did this through his spirit power. See, for example, Genesis 1, verses 1 to 2, Job 33, 4, Psalm 104, verse 30, amongst others. Now, God has determined the laws of nature and has power over them. And often in the Bible, when we see those natural laws being manipulated by God, we read that this is done by the Holy Spirit, a special power which is used to perform miracles. Typically, then, the natural order of things is simply running on automatic within the laws that God's Spirit has determined. These laws produce things like tides, wind, heat, summer and winter and such like. Left to their own devices, these laws can cause devastation to man. This could just be chance, being in the wrong place at the wrong time, part of the automated existence of these laws. As we read in Ecclesiastes 9 verse 11, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favour to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. Is everything left to chance then? Is God not interested in his creation? Far from it. The Bible is full of accounts of such things. For example, we read in Genesis 7 that God caused a flood which destroyed all of the earth, apart from those on Noah's Ark. This was a natural disaster caused by God to meet his purposes. Sometimes God does then use seemingly natural powers to punish the wicked. Other times we read that accidents occur which are not determined to punish anyone. For example, the Lord Jesus Christ in Luke 13 verse 4 speaks of one such disaster when he says, Quote, or those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them. Think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. End quote. In this case, a tower had fallen, perhaps in an earthquake, and 18 people had lost their lives. Unlike the flood, 
This was not a direct punishment because these people were no more sinful than anyone else. However, Jesus' message is clear. We must repent, else we will suffer the same fate as these did. And what fate did they suffer? Eternal death. So is this our lot then? To simply live and die, generation after generation, with no hope? Well, if we're honest, for the vast majority of mankind, the Bible says it is. However, God, in his mercy, has deemed a way by which some select few can be saved. It is salvation from death, the root cause of suffering, that God offers through the gospel, the good news. We read this in Psalm 49. Man that is in honour and understandeth not is like the beasts that perish. Presenting a select few with a knowledge and understanding of him and his purpose throughout the ages is the mechanism that God uses to call his people from the masses of mankind. The Bible tells us that if these few respond in the way that God wishes for them to, then he is willing to save them. God uses the gospel, the good news, as the knowledge by which a person should respond. Consider these passages. Quote, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptised shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. End quote. Mark 16 verses 15 to 16. Another one. Quote, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. End quote. Romans 1.16. Therefore, it is essential to seek out and try to understand God's gospel message, to look into God's word, to appreciate it, believe it and then act upon it. It is an amazing privilege to be called to the hope contained therein, the hope of Israel as it is called. The gospel contains, quote, the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, end quote, as we read of in Acts 8 verse 12. And Christadelphians have summarised our understanding of this in our statement of faith, known as the BASF. However, not everyone is given this opportunity by God, but only those who are called. That is to say, caused to come into contact with and understand the gospel message. Universal salvation is not something which God has offered. Here are three verses which tell us this. Romans 8, 29. Quote, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. End quote. Ephesians 4 verse 4, quote, There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. End quote. Acts 15 14, God at the first did visit the Gentiles or the non-Jews to take out of them a people for his name. 
Those God has not called will live out their lives and because of sin and the mortal nature they bear, they will suffer and die. Some will die by natural disasters. God could save them from this, but he chooses not to. This is his prerogative. Now, from a human perspective, this could be considered abhorrent. But from a biblical perspective, one could ask, why should God cause to choose to stop evil happening to mankind? He has a higher purpose, an eternal purpose, which causes natural disasters to pale into insignificance. He has chosen to allow and offer a way of salvation from sin and death on his principles. He has revealed that in his word. How many are happy to listen to that merciful message and conform to his righteous precepts? And yet how many blame him for natural disasters? Of those he has called, even for them, suffering is still a part of their lives. It is only in the kingdom age when God in his mercy will resurrect the dead and grant those who have been faithful eternal life that that suffering will end. Suffering teaches us about how futile and feeble man actually is, how powerless mankind is in the face of the full forces of what God has created and can control should he wish to. In the meantime, those who have been called suffer and can also be subject to hardships and natural disasters. Some may even lose their lives to them and fall asleep, waiting the resurrection and the hope of eternal life in the kingdom that Christ will set up on the earth. Unlike the uncalled who perish without knowledge, they suffer these things knowing that, quote, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, end quote, Romans 8, 28. Sometimes suffering is part of God's plan to actually change our characters so that we will be more fitted to give him glory. For example, we read in Proverbs 3, verse 12, For whom the Lord Yahweh loveth, he correcteth. And in Hebrews 12, verse 6, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Therefore, suffering and hardship is a part of the life of even those of whom God has a purpose. However, they endure knowing that these things will ultimately be for their good. When we are therefore faced with news of natural disasters, we do well to ponder these things and our fearful personal position before Almighty God. Perhaps God is using these events to further his purpose. Perhaps he is using them to teach lessons. Perhaps he is working with a select few called ones for their good. Perhaps these events are simply time and chance. One thing is for sure. Mankind does not have the answer to these things. The only hope for us is to accept the righteousness of God, to bow to his authority, to put our trust in him for the ultimate solution to the problem of suffering and to look forward to the hope of the kingdom when mortal suffering will be done away with completely. We read of this time in Revelation chapter 21 verse 4, quote, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. 
neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. End quote. How we look forward then to that kingdom age when Jesus Christ will have returned. This has been Matt Davies joining you for another Bible in the news. Join us again next week, God willing.